John 13. We're at the last Seder. We'll be here a while. It's one-fourth of the book of John. John 13. And you are coming next week, right? Next week for the skit, right? Hope you're not disappointed. When I do this, uh, laugh, okay? When I do that, that means laugh. You get all that laugh parts. You ever been to a TV um, show where they film it and the little signs come up, laugh now, clap, laugh, you know? It's like, mm, it's was, it was not even funny. Well, last week we looked at the familiar passage of, of Yeshua at the Seder taking up the, the towel and washing the feet of the disciples. And I said that there was more to the story than that. I'm not going to go into all of it, even this week. But the other part of that, and we ended with this, is that he actually um, put on the garb of a servant. It wasn't just he picked up a towel. Okay, There was a towel on the table. That's not what he did. A part of the servant's garb, you know, you, you can kind of imagine this, in fact, a lot of times a waiter or something will have a towel strapped on his belt or something because he can, you know, they're right there. So there was that towel, which is the one he used, which was a part of the garb to wash the disciples' feet. So the picture was he put on the outward appearance, the garb, the uniform. Actually, it's the word uniform of a servant. But then, you see, that's where a lot of us in, in history stop. We look at the Bible and say, yeah, that's what he did. That's not what Yeshua ended up. He said, no, I want you to do what I do. Not just know what I did, but do what I do. And that's how the, 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 this uh, uh, Seder is beginning with those in instructions about servanthood. He just didn't talk about it. He did it. He did it. And we open the service today with this verse. Let's look at it again. Uh, verses uh, 14, 15, and 16, and 17. If then, if I then, your Lord and teacher, that's pretty clear, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. That's a big one, because that's the intro to the rest of the evening and the rest of the teaching, that what I teach you, you are to do. Not look back in years and say, you know, this is what he said. No, we're to be doing what he said. I can't be strong enough on that. And then he goes on to, to say, we, we, we finish with this, uh, verse 17. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. We're to do what he did and do what we know. And, and again, it's an extremely Jewish uh, thought process here. Of, of You don't know something until you do it. You haven't learned the lesson until you do it. And so that was the intro. But, but I want to look at one thing that makes it clear. Peter's always in trouble. And in this chapter, he gets in trouble. You've all read ahead. Right, right. You all know what's, what's coming here, right? And so Yeshua announces, he says, you know, I'm going to be leaving really shortly here. And where I'm going, you can't go. Now, he is the Messiah. He's the teacher. And he just said, I'm leaving and you can't go. Reminds me of that. The, the little thing we played at the couples retreat about the soldiers, right? I want you to wait here with him until I come back. That was the instruction. The guy couldn't get it. What happens if I leave? No. You're to stay here with him until I get back. Yeah, but what if he leaves? No! Okay, so simple instructions. So Yeshua just gave a simple instruction in this chapter. He says, I'm going to be leaving shortly. And uh, where I'm going, you can't go. 
then Peter will eventually say, as he's getting in, in, in kind of trouble, he'll say, Lord, well, uh, I want to know why I can't go where you're going. Where are you, where are you going, first of all, that I can't go? And, and so he disputes, and this happens continually, that sometime we could do a, a weekend seminar on the disputes that, that Peter, how, how he objected to what the Lord would say. However, what we do know is that every one of those, he learned the lesson. Now, we don't, we start seeing it in the book of Acts. But in First and Second Peter, he addresses these things. All right, that night, now I bring that up because Yeshua just gave this powerful t- teaching. Okay, a powerful teaching on uh, being a servant. And then he moves into what our topic is about today and possibly partly uh, next week, the new commandment. To love one another in a, in a, in a different kind of way. And, and this, is, you know, that, this is his final teaching. His farewell address. Really important. His farewell commandment. And rather than, you know, Peter's not even tuned in. He says, yeah, but how, where, are you, where are you going and why can't I come with you? I can come with you. I should be able to because, you know what, I, I will die for you, actually. And it's like you missed the point of what he was just talking. You weren't even tuned in. But we see in First and Second Peter... And it all came back and he learned the lesson. Okay, so Yeshua was saying, do, do what I do. So turn to 1 Peter uh, chapter 5. Uh, 1 Peter 5, verses 5 and 6. This goes back to the, the servant concept. Yeah, okay. Likewise, you younger people, <laughs> he, had, he, had, he had aged back at this point. He was one back then, okay? Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Now, here's the part I'm, where I want to go. He's referring now back to the Seder. And be clothed with humility. It's an interesting word he chooses. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves. That's what Yeshua did that night. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Peter learned the lesson that clothing yourself with humility. That's what Yeshua did that night. But it wasn't just in in talk. He actually did it. He put on the clothes of a servant. Peter could say to these people, by the way, he's writing to the diaspora. He's writing to a Jewish audience. He could say, I saw him do that. I saw him clothe himself with humility. He actually took on the uniform of a servant. I mean, the Lord of life put on that uniform and got on his knees in front of me and washed my feet. He, he looked like the servant. He said, I saw him do that. He really did it. Then Peter's message would be, and we are to do it. See, maybe the highest calling is to be the servant. The highest calling is not, it's not the one who gets served, but the one who does the serving. And the world has it so backwards, and we get so easily caught up in the world's perspective. But it's the other way around. If you want to be great... If you want to be great in God's kingdom, what? Be the servant of all. Be, be the servant of all. And it's not something we talk about. It's something that, that we do. Well, continuing, and back to 
chapter 13. Chapter 13. Let's talk about a new commandment. We need more commandments. Don't have enough. Verse 34 and 35. Okay, Yeshua is saying, I'm going to be leaving soon. You know, this is my last teaching, my farewell, teaching my farewell commandment. I'm bringing the whole thing together tonight. You know, the last time I'm with you, here's what, here's what I have to say. A new commandment I give to you. I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. What's the new about that? By this, this that, that, those two words are really important. By this, not other stuff, by this, all will know that you are my disciples. I can just hear Peter now. Oh, yeah, but what about this, Lord? What about this? What about this? We do this right. We do that right. No, by this, by this, they will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Wow, okay, the new commandment. You know, I think the disciples were thinking that night, he gets up to teach, it's this final farewell thing. Now, finally, we get to the big stuff. Finally, the deep things, the depth of our faith. Finally, the meat, the real meat that's here. You ever heard that from anybody? Not from you, other people, right? Other places you've been. The real meat. <clears throat> because we know all this stuff. You know, a new commandment. You know, we already know all that. You remember when we first started the book of John? I did say this. I said, as we start John, a lot of people say, why study that book? It's just so simple. It's not very deep, it's shallow. You should be studying some deep things. Well, and then, and then verses like John 3.16. John 3.16, everybody knows that. Why, why bring that up, John 3.16? Well, I will say this. And I know you can look it up. Don't do that now. How many, I, I have it at home somewhere. How many verses there are in the entire Bible? Okay, I, I, I have the number. It's a lot. But that is the single most important sentence in, in the entire Bible, right there. That's it. But, and it's the most attacked. The most attacked. It's attacked by, by believers that say, that's, you know, come on. Let's get to the, the, you know, the really good stuff. That is the good stuff. And this is a new commandment that you love each other? Come on. Let's get down to the more of the how-tos. and we're, Let's talk about this. It's his farewell address, the most important thing he would ever say. And he brings his entire ministry to a conclusion with this. He says to them, this is only to his disciples now, and those serving. You know, the, the, the disciples were being served by, by servants at the, at the Seder. It wasn't for the masses of people, it was for the group that believed in him. <clears throat> and, and what he's saying is, not only do I want you to, to know this, but you are to impart this as your message to, to the world. That's your message. It's one of love. Not long ago, on CNN, there was, there was these, uh, was it CNN? No, no, no. It was, uh, well, it, was, uh, it, was, uh, it, was it was a network where somebody didn't know any better, some college kid. You know, one place you really shouldn't witness outside boldly 
is in the old city of Jerusalem in the Arab quarter, see? So you're going to get yourself killed if you do that. So you shouldn't do that. But see, some people don't know that, and they do it anyway. And this, this young college kid was out there handing out Gospels of John, <laughs> is what he was doing, in Arabic. And, and you know, this, he's not too popular with the local community there. Anybody in the, in the local community. And this guy picked it up. And, and he, you know, he was angry. And he opened it up, and a word caught his eye. You know what the word was? Love. The word love is what caught his eye. And he looked at that, and he, and he said, well, I'm going to a meeting, and we're going to talk about love. And it caught the guy's attention, and he came, and he came to faith. He came to faith because he wanted to hear about love. There was no debate about, no, no, no. It was that word made a huge, huge difference. Now, how is this a new commandment? Well, we have the great commandment. You know, you shall, part of it's the Shema. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You love God with your entire being. And then Yeshua said, and the second one is, is, the, is as, just, just as important. You will love your neighbor as you love yourself. Leviticus 19. I think it's 19 verse 18. Well, okay, so there it is, except that's not what this is. His command is not to love as we love, but to love as he loved. He changes that. He, he gives it an upgrade, big time upgrade. And if you think that's a piece of cake, let's see you do it. Because he expects us to do it. Yeshua's command is to love one another as he loved, not as we love. We are to love as we are loved. And not just as he loved, but as we are loved by him. This is getting deep. I hope you see that. Because that implies you know him. And you have communication with him. And he talks to you. And he impart, there's friendship. Okay? It implies that strongly. You, so you understand that kind of love. Now, the love he has for us, the way he said, I want you to love, this piece of cake stuff, okay, is not dependent on our cutesy qualities that make us lovable. Some of you have those. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say, but you do too. But no, nobody said that. So it's okay. We'll go on. Okay. okay. It's not based on that. You know, you can get a little fuzzy dog at the store, and because he's so cute and bounces around, he's lovable. That's not what this is. Not even close, okay? He loves us irregardless of our strengths and our weaknesses, our talents and our abilities, because some have it and some don't. Some people think that they're called because of their credentials. You know, I have this degree, therefore I'm called. <laughs> not what the Bible says. Because of their abilities. Take a look at the heroes of the Bible. Take a look at who Yeshua chose. I mean, Peter, give me a break. Thomas? Okay. Because of their achievements. Here's what I, 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 have accomplished. Therefore, I am called and chosen. Uh, or your personality. Some of the people on TV have all that stuff. The personality. They're charismatic individuals. Doesn't mean they're called. They can get a big audience. In fact, I had a teacher in Bible college who said, uh, <laughs> that was when uh, a part of the school was downtown L.A., 
And we've lost th this touch, I think, over the years. Pershing Square, anybody know Pershing Square? Okay, it used to be. That's where all the religious wackos would hang out. You go there, and any, you walk three steps, and here's a, here's, here's a new one. Here, he said this, and it's true. He says, I can go down to Pershing Square and set up a table and come up with the weirdest, oddest religious perspective, and I can get a following. I can get people to sign up and to follow me. But you go down with the truth, it'll be like a handful. And it's like people are so willing to follow the fruits and the nuts. But, you know, if, I, if you have these people on TV who are good, okay, maybe they are called to that kind of a ministry. I guess I would say don't be critical, but that's not proof of a calling is your personality or even your ability. This kind of love, this kind of love that we're talking about is not, motive, is not motivated by any of these things or any of these qualities whatsoever, but only by grace. That's the motivation, only by grace. We're to love that way, like that, because we can't do it on our own. It's new, a new commandment. How is it new? Well, it's a new standard. You know, the, the stand, here's how you know if you're doing it. Are you loving as you are loved? You give, you give it back the way you have received it. Who are we to receive that free gift? And then the gifts of the Spirit and all the blessings that come and not give it. See, that's not even the Greek word. The Greek word agape is the one that is, re, is giving only, not receiving. It's not give and take, give and take. Some people think that marriage is, is give and take. 50-50. It's a 50-50 proposition, right? Not, not biblically, it's not. And then when you come into a, a relationship with the Lord, it's 50-50. He gives you, you give what you are back to him. You are to give all you are to him. That's what Peter talked about, about being submissive to him and humble, humbling yourself. But it's not 50-50. It's 100%, 100%, okay, in a marriage, in a biblical marriage. And in this case, he gives us 100%. And he expects us to give out 100%. That's really a piece of cake, right? It's easy to do that, right? Yeah, oh yeah, really? We mentioned last week that the wording that's used here is that this is, by this, the world will know that you are my disciples. Well, I think there might be a mistake here. I think it's by, by our knowledge, by, by how much we know, how much we pray. No? Uh, how much we give? No. All those things, are, we're supposed to do those things, but that doesn't, that's not a test of discipleship. The test of discipleship is how much do you love? That's the badge. The badge of discipleship is loving as he loved. Some people love because they get something back. That's not the word. Different word. It's giving without expecting to get anything back except the joy of giving. And, uh, you know, that, then when it comes to the, the, the giving of finances, it's that too. We don't, you know, you see these guys on TV that say, you know, if you give $1,000, you'll get 10000 back. Well, first of all, it's not true. And, and number, number two, that's not the motivation to give. I have been approached over the years by people who are saying, you know, I can really help your congregation. If you do this, 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 and this, and that, okay, you'll get some money out of it. I'm thinking right away, I don't do anything just to get money, okay, number one. Whatever it is, if, it's, if my motivation is I'm doing this to get money, it's the wrong motivation. But others don't see it that way. So, 
this new commandment, the badge of discipleship. Well, let me ask you this. I'm, I'm picking Bible verses for this. Does anyone here have any anger? In the, by the way, I wrote this sometime, some time ago. Okay, I'm not picking anybody right now. Um, bitterness, hatred, gossip, backbiting, fighting, strife, false rumors, true rumors. Okay, and then that one too. Tearing down. You know, there are no, this might come as a shock, there are no instructions in the Bible for tearing down our brothers and sisters. This is how you tear them down. We don't need any instructions. We do a really good job of that. But there's plenty of instructions about how to build them up. Turn to Colossians for one of many. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. So this loving stuff is a piece of cake. Easy to do, right? Colossians 3. I need to mark my... Okay, I'll just do that. Uh, Verse 12. Therefore... Okay, I'll just lose my place. I'll get it back. I'm going to verse... Okay, good. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on... Okay, put on... That's the same picture as you show putting on the uh, garment of the servant. Put on. This is what you're to put on. That means it's outward in its appearance. People can see it. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Messiah forgave you, so you also must do. Yeah, but I don't want to. If you knew what they did, you wouldn't forgive. He did. See, Peter dealt with this. Peter had to deal with this. Paul had to deal with this. You know that Peter had to forgive Paul? Paul voted for Yeshua's death, for Stephen's death. There had to be some forgiveness here. Verse 14. But above all these things, put on love. That's the, that's the, the garb. Put on the, you know, people should, should see it. Put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God, the shalom of God, rule in your heart. What's ruling your heart? Is it shalom? His his shalom? To which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. That's a lot of stuff right there, isn't it? Let the word of Messiah dwell in you richly. The word of Messiah, what is that, anyway? In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Oh, here's what we do. Oh, this is building up each other. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, a lot of music, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. We sing to him. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Yeshua, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That is building each other up. Now let the word of Messiah, verse 16, dwell in you richly. What word, what word of Messiah might that be? Oh, I know. One of them would be when he said, love one another. That's to dwell in, in us richly. Hmm. Remember his words. By this, they will know. 
Are you wearing the badge? Are you wearing the badge? Do people know? When NSA looks at your emails and your texts, as they do, isn't this amazing? We live in a time where they're admitting they're doing all that. You have no privacy at all. What do they see? Are you tearing people apart? Do they have enough evidence to, to convict you of wearing that badge? That's the follower of Yeshua. We can convict you for that. It soon could be against the law, you know, like it has been in so many other countries. We always think, well, that's them. It never happened here. If it does, are you going to be convicted? Are you guilty? By this, as a, okay, by this, by loving each other, they will know, the world will know that you follow me. Wait a minute, by this, as opposed to what? As opposed to, where, where's John? Do, do, we, do we have the correct Torah service? Yep, thank you, John. Okay, well, it's not by that then, though, right? Even though we're right. Okay, we're right. Yeah. And what about our ceremonies? You know, do we, what do we do everything? Are we, do, do we do it right? <laughs> okay. Uh, our liturgy. Cancer, John. Do we, is it by that? No, it's not by that. Um, what, what, oh, I know. My seat seat. How, how many of you, how did you know how long my seat seat is? Susan knows how long my CC is. <laughs> Better erase that part of the <laughs> Okay, seriously, I have been criticized. Again, once again, those people are not here today. Okay, I've been criticized because I don't wear CC. Well, right now I am, but all the time. Well, let me ask you this. How do you know I'm not wearing it? You know that in Israel, most Orthodox Jews wear CC inside their trousers, not on the outside? So how do you know? Susan knows. Okay. The point being is that people criticize you. For, you can't win. They criticize you for what you wear, how you look. You keep us too small, you keep us too big. You're, you know. It's not by any of those things. Oh, our doctrine, our statement of faith is absolutely correct. By that they will know that we're his disciple, right? No, not by that. All the outward stuff, you know, you can have everything lined up perfect and be right, dead right, dead, dead. <laughs> Paul caught it, 1 Corinthians 13, we're not going there today, but he's saying, you know, there's, there's three things that really matter, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. If you're doing that, then you'll get the rest right. Because servanthood, you said last week is a condition of your heart. You choose to do that. You don't think, what's in it for me? Because there's nothing in it for you. I'll tell you that right now. It's a condition of your heart. But it's the condition of his heart. And love is an expression of the heart. And there's many ways to demonstrate that outwardly. Now, if you were to... If the person you love asks you... And we did this at the... At the Couples retreat. Um, give me a definition of that. But well, we found that it's very difficult to define love intellectually only because it has something to do with it here. And when we love each other the way he teaches, we can't like write a paragraph and say, this is how it's done. 
because it's done from in here, from, from in here. And to do that, we have to understand we receive the love from him, love as we are loved. But that might be the problem. Have you opened up your heart to him to receive the love he wants to give to you? What's the matter with your brain? If you don't open your heart all the way and let everything in that he wants to give to you, think about that. Why wouldn't you? Some people don't. And there's a, there's a wall, there, there's blockage of receiving what he wants to give to you. And it's all by grace, by the way. It's all free. We're to love as he loved. How did he love? Well, there's a, a year-long series on this, but it was selfless. It was totally selfless. <laughs> it was sacrificial. Peter, he, he got it right in his books. He said about that, that, about that sacrificial part, he said, he bore our, in fact, this is in uh, 1 Peter 2.24. 2, he bore, listen carefully, he bore our sin in his own body on the tree. Do you hear Isaiah 53 in that? Peter was saying he did Isaiah 53. His audience was Jewish. He bore our sin. Have you ever done this? Do it later. But look up John 3.16. And then 1 John 3.16. It goes kind of like this. You know, God so loved the world that he gave love, 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 okay, and so on. Well, 1 John 3.16 is that we are to love the way he loved and lay our lives down for each other. It's the next step. Interesting how those numbers even line up. But that's the sacrifice. We are to lay down our lives, if needed, for each other, not just for him. No, it's a piece of cake, right? Piece of cake. Piece of cake. Um, and here's the other one. He, he loved us having full disclosure. Okay, you're not hiding anything from him. Now, you know, I, I like this. When a young couple comes bouncing in the room, and they say, we are meant to be. We have found each other, my soulmate. We want to talk to you about getting married. Well, how long have you known each other? Two weeks. Now, I got to say that when we had our married couples at, uh, uh, seminar, our series at, at, at Randy's house, we went on the room and we asked about how, you know, how early in the relationship did you know that that person was the one? We said, don't tell the teens, okay? Because in almost every case, early on, they did know, in fact. They were right, but they put it to the test. And you don't know that person at first. But if God's bringing you together, it'll stand the test of, of time. But he has full disclosure. He knows all about you. You know, your weaknesses, your shortcomings, theirs, you know, theirs, ours are the, are the same, okay? But he loved them anyway. He loves us anyway. He, he loves us. He knows us at our worst. But, 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 you see, he's calling us to love each other at our worst. And when, I, when I say, think of someone who really irritates you. Okay? <laughs> Stop pointing at me. Okay. Um, you're to love that person this way. Piece of cake. Easy. Let's get to the meat of the word. The real good stuff, Right? He still loves us. He knows our worst. Full disclosure. And you know, that's, a, that's kind of a test when you're, 
courting, you start moving toward full disclosure of saying, I need to tell you about this, I need to tell you about this, uh, I, need to, I have a little problem, uh, I'm really grumpy in the morning, okay. So, because so see, what, what they see you is at your best. And I'm seeing you at your best. Just think it, well, anyway. <laughs> I'm seeing you at your best. You're seeing me at my best. And the bad news is, it doesn't get any better than this. That's the bad news, okay? Okay, well, anyway. Um, it's downhill from here. <laughs> we'll see if you, if you really love each other, okay? He knew all there was to know, and he still loves. But you see, we love our spouse that way. If we do it right, in the courting process, we come to a place where we know all there is to know. We say, you know what? I love you knowing all this. And uh, I, I got to say, there are times when uh, now that you know all this, these problems, I have problems, and here they are, now that you know this. And, and the answer, the right answer would be, you know what? I want to marry you knowing full well all those problems, because I'd rather deal with those problems and have you than not deal with them and not have you. So I'll take the problems along with you. That's the, that's the test of love, once they see the, the whole story. Love is blind, right? No, it's not blind. Blind love ends up in disillusionment. The word illusion is in there. Hear that word? It's an illusion. When the eyes get open, you go, wait, wait, wait a minute. Real love, I, like, I, I coined this phrase myself. Real love is wide open-eyed. Real love, you, you see it. You, you see it all, and you still love. Because real love uh, doesn't love a fantasy of a person. It loves the real person, just as they are. The whole person, all of them, just as they are. Yes, that's a line from a movie. Jack brought up a movie. I'm going to bring up a movie. I'm not recommending it, but there is a movie that I've seen. That The main point of the movie is that this, this young woman has a poor self-image, and there's a man that is interested in her. And the, and the kicker is this, when he says, I love you just like you are. Just the way you are, I love. Don't change to this, don't change. No, I love you just. And her response was, he loves me the way I am? Like, how odd. That's how you're supposed to be loved. Just like you are. That's how he loves you. You know, the reality is in our wedding vows, you know, the old ones, it was for better, for worse. <laughs> Remember that? For richer, for poor. Okay, when I, like, remind Susan, I'll say, you know, for better or for worse, she'll say, are we there yet? <laughs> um, <laughs> for richer or for poor, are we there yet? Okay. The evidence of a committed disciple is not all that other stuff. But it's how you love each other. Each other. And, and if we are to receive that love from him, that means we have a friendship with him. Now, does that work? Does it work? I'll give you three examples. There was a Roman historian named Tertullian. It was around the year 200. And he became a believer. But before he was a believer... He compiles some information, and he gives us a report. I'd like to read that to you. It's short. <clears throat> Here's what he found. He 
This is, this is about the year 200. Rome had sent spies to the meetings of the early Messianic believers because they were concerned about a rebellion against Caesar, against Rome. So they sent spies. They're sending spies today. They're looking at us. How about that? He writes the following. This is what he said. The Messianics, or the word, or Christians, same, same word, are very strange people. <laughs> Was he right? Yeah. They meet together in an empty room to worship. There are not even any images or statues. They speak of one by the name of Yeshua, who is absent. But, but, but they seem to be expecting him at any moment. <laughs> okay? And, and of how they love him and how they love one another. That's what he wrote. That is the truth. He said, these are weird people. They love each other. And they love someone that's not even there. What a testimony. What, what a testimony. <clears throat> Yeshua's best friend was John. John talks a lot about love. Maybe we should too. The word love appears 51 times in his gospel. That's a lot. A long way from being a son of thunder, from calling fire down from heaven on the Samaritans, and getting mom to ask Yeshua if he can have the best seat, to being the servant who is known as the beloved disciple. He's also called camel knees because he had knots on his knees from praying on his knees. He was the last living apostle. He was a celebrity. I mean, it was like we could advertise, come and see the Apostle John. He knows what Yeshua looked like. You can tell him. You can ask him. Did he have a beard? Did he have long hair? You can ask him anything you want. He's speaking tonight. We'd pack the place out, right? The celebrity. The, what the historians tell us is that he, had, he was old. He was very old. He had to be carried in. He couldn't walk anymore. And they set him down. And, of course, there's a question time, right? Tell us the deep stuff, the good stuff. What, what do you think he would say? Love one another. No, no, we know that. Tell us that we love one another. That's what he would say. When he was just about to die, his disciples, Polycarp was one of his disciples, famous person, got with him. And they said, okay, what's your final message to us? The one before you, the final message, what is it? To your disciples, what is it? He said, love one another. They said, is that all? They're just like us. They said, is that all? Okay. He said, that's enough. He said, that's his command. It's like, how human can you get? We would, we would say, is that all? Fine, give us but that piece of cake, right? How are you doing on that? Hmm? How am I doing on that? Well, David Stern, when he gives his testimony, says, he's a scholar, he said, it, it wasn't figuring out all these formulas of fulfilled prophecy that convinced me that I need to open my heart to Yeshua and become a born-again believer. He said, I would go to meetings like this, and it was because of the people loving each other. I saw that. That convinced me it's true. That convinced me it's true. <clears throat> my testimony. I was just a year out of high school. What do high school kids know? They know, they, they know a lot. But what convinced me that this is true, is that I saw kids that truly loved each other. And I said, this is real. They really love each other. 
You see, that's, I think, the most effective tool of evangelism. If we love each other, it'll be attractive. It'll be attractive. Yeshua said, do what I do. Do what you know. Be a doer of the word. Love one another as I have loved you. Lord, I pray that as we set our hearts and minds to be doers of your word, that we would, if we receive your love, that we give your love. Lord, that we, we love as we are loved by you. Well, it's a phenomenal calling and difficult task. And yet, in, in struggling with those that are so hard to love, we realize that you, maybe you had the same struggle of dying for them, but you did, because in your eyes, they're worth it. I pray we would have your eyes, eyes that see, ears that hear out a heart that feels like you, and that we can love from our heart. And that when we were that bad, just not because we know all the stuff and do it all right or have everything, it's because we love you, you love us, and we can reach out and love someone else. May we be instruments of love. May we come to understand what that means. May we love people just like they are without trying to change them. Lord, give us the grace to do that. And may we be able to reach out evangelistically because love is at the core of all that we do. In Yeshua's name, amen.